be uh, finishing the last part of our Dreaming series, and uh, it's been a four-part series, and uh, we started week two of the church, and, uh, um, and uh, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, next week, we start a brand new series. We're going to go jump straight from one series into another, and it's a series, uh, and we're going to entitle it called The Whole You, and, um, and basically, we're going to be looking through the book of Ephesians. And, uh, and if you've ever read the book of Ephesians, it's an incredible book. It's a great book. And, uh, and it basically uh, uh, talks about so many different aspects of your life. But everything that we're going to be talking about is all about you. Hence, we call it the whole you. And uh, we're going to talk about what God's plan for your, for your life is, why God created you, what your purpose was. We're going to talk about how you relate to other relationships, how you relate in marriage, how you relate to your kids, and how your kids should relate to you, and uh, often they probably don't. Uh, we're going to look at uh, how when you go through uh, tough situations in your life, and life just basically stinks, uh, how to deal with those situations. And uh, so it, it's, it's going to be a great series, and I'm really excited about it. Um, and uh, I, I just encourage you, just invite your friends out to it. Um, ne- next week, uh, the beginning of a series is always a great week just to invite friends and, uh, and, and, and so that they, they can really get an essence of what the series is all about. So uh, just uh, b- uh, invite your friends next week for that. So it's going to call The Whole You. And also, just to let you know, what they do over in kids' church is they talk about the same things as what we're talking about here. Now, not every week it, it, it works like that, but uh, for the next five weeks, they are going to be talking about Ephesians. And so when you go home and you talk to your kids, your kids will be t- learning the same stuff that, that we're going to be talking about here. So you can really relate. What, one thing here at Generation Church, we don't want it just to be where kids just you know, come and have an hour where they, they, they just come and enjoy themselves and then they go home. We want to partner with, with, with parents or with grandparents or with aunts and uncles who look after the kids. And we want to partner with you in teaching the kids things about God. And uh, so, uh, so that's why we, we uh, do the things at the same time. Now, if you remember last week, we talked about, if you were here, we talked about the third part of our dreaming series. And the third part of our dreaming series was God is dreaming of a church that is passionate about reaching out. And uh, we gave you these, uh, these little cards, these little uh, business cards with uh, a website on there called I Love My Gen. And, uh, and, uh, and if you weren't here last week, you can pick up some of those business cards. They're on the table out there. And you can go to that website and see what it's all about. But we have an incredible opportunity here at Generation Church to reach out to people uh, in our community. And we always talked about last week, we said that, uh, that real, authentic religion in the sight of God is helping the widows, helping the orphans, helping people who cannot help themselves. And so this week I spoke with the community li- liaison officer of, uh, of this school, of uh, William Packer and Old Post Elementary. And if you're not familiar with this school, this school, it's a Title I school and it has so many needs. There are families in this, uh, in, in, who uh, the kids attend this school who have very, very little. And we live in a very prosperous county, Hartford County, but there are families in this county that really need a helping hand. And so we're going to partner with the school in some things. And we got a, a party that we're going to be sponsoring in, in, in April. Uh, we got some things that we want to do for Christmas. But the immediate need is uh, Thanksgiving is coming up. And if you haven't realized, and uh, I always kind of forget Thanksgiving because I never celebrated as a kid. But 
But I'm an adopted American now, so like I love Thanksgiving, and, uh, and I just like all the food that you get to eat, and for one day a year, you can just become fat, and you, know, you just don't care. But there are families in this school who they're going to have nothing for Thanksgiving. They just do not have the money to, to, to have a meal. They do not have the resources to put a meal together. So we've decided that we're going to sponsor at least 20 families in this school and uh, in, in order for them to, to have a meal at Thanksgiving. And uh, um, Jill Osborne, and uh, if you want to know who Jill is, Jill is the one with the funny neck brace on her neck. And uh, thanks, Jill. And Jill is going to be putting together some baskets for us and uh, that we're going to give to these families. And uh, uh, just as a helping hand is reaching out. And what we would like you guys to do, we would like you guys to sponsor a family. And, uh, and, and it's only going to cost like 25 bucks, that's it, to sponsor a family. But you're going to give them a Thanksgiving to remember. And we're not just going to give them a can of yams and say, here we go, heat these off. You know, we're going to go with a full the full hog. I mean, we're going to be extravagant about it. We're going to give them turkeys. We're going to give them food. We're going to give them table settings so that they have a Thanksgiving that they can remember. And so their kids grow up and realize, remember that one year that that church helped us or that we got that basket, that food basket. Wasn't that an incredible thing that somebody did for us? And so we want to do that as Generation Church. So, sorry, go ahead, Jill. Sure, we can do that. Yeah. If, if, if you want to help out with these baskets, if you want to see Jill after church, and uh, if you've got no artistic talents at all like me, like if you wanted me to sew, I'd come up with, I don't know, like just two pieces of whatever together. I mean, I'm awful at sewing. So if you want to be like me and basically just write a check and uh, just write a check, 25 bucks, and uh, what you can do, you can, uh, uh, there's just out in the lobby, there's some uh, envelopes and just write on there, uh, just put on there that you want to give, you know, to, to, to a family in need and you want to sponsor a family. You want to sponsor one, two, five, twenty, uh, you know, I mean, how many you want to sponsor and uh, we, we, will, uh, we will make sure that those, those kids and those families have something for Thanksgiving. And, uh, so, uh, and, and also, if you have a, a regular tie that you want to give, and you can give it after the service, and you can put it in the baskets in the lobby. And uh, um, everything goes towards, you know, impacting this community and, uh, and, and making a difference. Well, today, if you have your Bibles with, it, with, with you today, we're going to be having, uh, going through a lot of different chapters. And we come to our final part of our, the I'm Dreaming series. And what this, this series is all about, this series is all about Jesus Christ the Son of God, the Lord of this universe, has a dream. And every one of us, we have dreams. We've had some kind of dream in our life when we were a kid, and we dreamt of being some superstar, or being rich, or marrying a handsome hunk, or marrying some fair maiden lady and rescuing her from a castle. I don't know. And, uh, but we've all had dreams. And God even has a dream. And this is his dream. And we've discussed it for the last three weeks. But his dream is that nobody, not one person, shall perish and not be destroyed. And what we've, dis- we've discovered that man and God are separated from one another. At one point when God created this earth and he created humans, God and man were connected in a relationship with each other. But what happened very shortly after God created man, man decided to sin against God. And we all know that episode where 
Adam and Eve ate some fruit from the tree. And at that moment, that relationship between God and man got separated. And at that moment, God had a dream in order to bring that relationship back together. And so we've discovered that that dream is lived through Jesus Christ and his message. And his message is this, that if anyone believes on Jesus Christ, they shall be saved. They shall no longer be separated from God. They shall not be lost. That's a term that sometimes we use in the church. They shall not be lost, which basically means separated from God. And they shall be connected and brought back into relationship with God. And we've discovered for that to happen, Jesus has entrusted in the church a mission to make his dream live. And we've discovered the only church that is able to make this dream live is a church that firstly is passionate about God. Because how will a world who is separated from God ever come to God if they do not see people who are passionate about God? We've also discovered that, uh, that God is dreaming of a church or he's, he's looking for a church and desiring a church that is passionate about each other. Because a church that is connected with each other, a church that is concerned about each other, is a church where the world looks on and thinks, I want what they have. But we've also seen that God is not just dreaming of a church that is passionate, not just dreaming of a church that is concerned about each other, but is dreaming of a church that is passionate about reaching out. And part of that reaching out is that we're going to do those food baskets for the people in this school. Because how will a world hear the message of Jesus Christ unless they see the love of Jesus Christ? And when you reach out, you are like a light to this dark world and you need to be switched on so that this world can see the light that God has given to you. Well, we're going to look today at the very last, fourth and final part of this dream. And this part is probably the hardest for us to achieve. And I'm just going to warn you. You know, you get like those, uh, uh, you, you get like some video games and it's like warning. This like video game is going to mess your eyes up or something. Or you eat some like hot food, warning this food is going to be hot. Well, I'm going to warn you today that this is going to be a message that is going to be hard. And you're going to like think I'm the worst person in the world. And so it's just a warning, you know, just before we get into it. And because this has been the hardest message I think I've ever put together. Because I realize I fail in every aspect of this. But yet this part of this dream is so essential that this is the part that separates the men from the boys, the, girl, the ladies from the girls. It's the part that without this, the dream of God to bring a world that is separated back to him will not live. And this is it. I believe that God is dreaming of a church that is passionate about speaking out. Passionate about speaking out. Now when I mean speaking out, I'm not talking about being passionate about getting on the political bandwagon and talking about all the different issues and going on TV and making big marches with big banners and saying, we're against this, we're against this, you know, we're down with this group of people, we don't like this group of people, this is what we believe. That isn't what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is speaking out to a world that is lost. Speaking out to a world that is lost. Now you may ask, well, what is a lost world? 
I'm not talking about Peter Pan and the Lost Boys. And, and uh, you know, I'm not talking about a world that, you know, nobody knows about. Basically, a lost world is this. It basically means a world that is separated from God. And we've already talked about humans are separated from God. And that means that humans, in the biblical sense, are lost. You know, sin has caused caused man to drift from God. And there is no way back to God except through the message of Jesus Christ. And because man is separated from God, God did all he could to bring man back to God. And so man is lost. And this is how we know that man is lost. And today there's just lots of different scriptures. I'll mention some, we'll read some. And, uh, but if you've got like some fast fingers, then you're going to be able to flick through them all. But the first one, the first scripture, is found in Romans chapter, uh, chapter 3 and verse 23. And I'm just painting a picture here of how lost this world is, or how separated from God this world is. And this is what it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. So that means that everyone in this world has fallen short of God's standard. And what we find God's standard is this. God's standard is perfection. God wants perfect people. Now, if you're to be honest this morning, you know you're not a perfect person. You just have to ask the person sitting next to you. You have to go home, ask your spouse, ask your brothers and sisters, ask your parents, you know, ask the people you work with. They know that you are not a perfect person. And because you're not a perfect person, that means that you are what the Bible calls a sinner. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? You know, it's like, wow, this is nice. This is nice stuff. And, uh, but it says that everybody has sinned and fallen short of God's glory standard. But that's not just it. It gets even worse. And in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, it says this. It says, For the wages of sin basically not being perfect, is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the wages or the penalty or the punishment for not being perfect is death. I'm like, geez, I don't want to read this Bible again. I mean, this is like, this is depressive stuff. This is a, a, but this is a reality. And the reality is because we are separated from God there is a life that we're going to live or we're leading to that results in death. And basically, death is this. It's eternal separation from God. Eternal separation from God. And I believe that Jesus came into this world to find those people who were lost, all those people who were separated from God. And I believe that Jesus came and He created and started the church in order for us to join in on His responsibility to find people who are lost. How many of you, when you were kids, you played the game hide and seek? Or you may call it hide and go seek. Yeah, we kind of, most of us did. If you didn't, man, you just haven't lived. You know, you've got to go and play it. And, uh, but uh, what happened is you would have 
a group of kids who would go and hide. You'd have one person close their eyes. Some people would be like this, you know, with their eyes, make it see where people uh, go and hide in. But they would count to ten, and, uh, and then they would, they would finish counting to ten. They would say, ready or not, here I come. And uh, they would go and find the people who were hiding. And they would go, and they would look here, and they would look there, and they would look in a closet, they would look behind the, the sofa, they would look under the bed. And as soon as they found someone, what did they do? That person didn't just go and sit back in, the, in a circle and sit and wait till everyone else is found. If somebody was found, they would join the person who originally was going to seek out the people who were hidden, and they would join together as a team, and they would go and find everyone else who was hiding. Until everyone else, so everybody who was hiding was suddenly found. And I believe we as the church of Jesus Christ, we were once lost, but now we are found. And it's not up for us just to be found and just to sit down and wait for everyone else to be found so the game is over. It is now our responsibility to join Jesus Christ and go and find other people who are lost. Because I believe this truth this morning. I believe that found people find people. i say that again. Found people find people. You know, we have a word in church circles for this. And this word, it's, it's basically the art of finding lost people, and this word is evangelism. Now, how many of you... When I just heard that word, that when you heard that word evangelism, you probably like got a lump in your throat and you're like, oh no, what's he asking us to do? And uh, oh yeah, hands got all clammy and, and because you probably had a picture of what evangelism is. And whenever I hear the word evangelism, this is what I think. I think of a guy called Ezra. Ezra was like an 80-year-old man from Jamaica who lived in the same city that I lived, in a place called Wolverhampton. And uh, whenever you went to the downtown area, and we called it the city center, and the reason was it's because it was at the center of the city and everything else surrounded it, you would always hear this man shouting and screaming and talking about how everybody else is lost and they're going to go to hell and they need Jesus Christ. And we would look and we would kind of hide our face and walk past like this so he didn't talk to us. And people would walk, people would laugh at him, and there'd be people who'd be shouting out. But he was so focused, he didn't care. He was just telling people, telling people. That's all he did with his life. You see, he was an ex-preacher who kind of lost his mind and went a little crazy. And uh, I think this preaching stuff can maybe make you go crazy from time to time. But, uh, but he, was, he was a preacher who went a little crazy, and he just went around everywhere just shouting out and, and preaching. And half the time, nobody could understand what he was saying. He was speaking this language called Papua. And if you're familiar like, with Jamaicans, they kind of have this like, lingo of their own. And he would speak English and then Papua, and it would be like, what is he saying? And I remember one time, I was sitting on a city bus, and I was going from my house into the city center. And you're sitting there, and the bus was crowded, and you just mind your own business. And then suddenly, I just hear... And the Lord said to Moses, and he starts screaming on the bus. I'm like, oh, no. And then he moves from God, uh, people going to hell, to people in Egypt, to talking about the Nazis and the communists. And I'm like, what is he talking about? 
And he is there, and you can just see everyone's face just turned down. And like this. And there's me, this teenage-year-old Christian who's kind of ashamed of his faith. And I'm just slipping down in my seat, and I'm like, please don't come near me. Please don't come near me. And uh, because I don't know what I'm going to do. And uh, Ezra is my view of evangelism. But yeah, that's a wrong view of evangelism. And some of you, you may have been thinking of some, like, crazy faith preacher, somebody who, you know, once came to a church and, you know, he screamed and he hollered. You may think of the person out in the city square who is, is preaching. You may think of that friend of yours who just goes and tells everybody they know about Jesus and, you know, they haven't even got chance to, to sit down and ask them their name and they're, and they're preaching them, they're telling them. Evangelism. We've all got our, our views of evangelism, but basically evangelism in its simplest form is this. It's finding people who are lost. Because found people find people. And we are found people if we know Jesus Christ. And that means we need to evangelize. Basically, we need to go and find lost people. And the way that we do this is through telling them about the message of Jesus Christ. And the message of Jesus Christ is very simple. And I'll sum it up in five verses for you. I won't read them. I'm going to let you go home and and read these for yourselves. But the first one is in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. We've already seen it. That everyone is a sinner in the sight of God. Secondly, we see in Romans chapter 6 uh, uh, and verse 23 that the result of being a sinner is death. We also find in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 It tells us that while we were away from God and separated from God, God loved us so much that he gave Jesus Christ to die for us. Then in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, it tells us that there is hope through this love of Jesus Christ. And if we call out to God, God will come back to us and we will no longer be separated from God. Then in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 to to 10, it tells us that everyone... Everyone who calls on the name of Jesus and believes in Jesus will be saved and will no longer be lost, but will be found. And basically, there's a name for this. And so if any of you guys went to Sunday school, you may have heard this. And uh, I remember years ago talking about this and thinking, what on earth is this that they're talking about? But basically, I read you five scriptures. All out of the book of Romans is called the Romans Road. And if you memorize these verses, you have what it takes to tell other people about Jesus. You have the full-on message of Jesus Christ just in these five verses here, the Romans Road. And what I'm going to do, each week we put our sermons just on on the web so people can listen to them. And uh, when you go to our website, there's a section called Media. You can go in there and listen to the the podcast. And uh, and next to that, there's a section called Documents. And I'm going to put this on there and so you can download it and you can look at it. So that any time that you want to know what it, what it takes or what the message of Jesus Christ is in its simplest form, you can look at this. And if you remember this, I promise you, you will not go wrong in telling other people about Jesus Christ. So that's the Roman road. And so you are someone, if you know Jesus, who has been found by the message of Jesus Christ, And in turn, it is your responsibility to find others. Because found people find people. But however, there's so many of us, we don't tell others about Jesus. And the reason is, 
is because so often we believe things that we have heard. We have been taught things that maybe aren't essentially true. And very quickly this morning, just in a very few moments, I just want to just tell you or address three statements that you may have heard that are totally untrue that may be stopping you telling other people about Jesus Christ. And the first one is this. I call them the three lies of evangelism. And the first lie is this. You may have heard this. Evangelism is just for the people who have the gift of evangelism. Evangelism is just for the people who have the gift of evangelism. And you've probably met those people, those Ezra-like people, who tell everyone about Jesus Christ whenever they meet them. You know, you, you can be on a plane, and I'm the type of person, if I sit on the plane and someone sits next to me, I can be there for three hours and not say anything to them at all. But the people with the gift of evangelism, they can be on a plane for 30 minutes, and the whole plane now is on their knees crying out to God. You can go, and you can go around the house, and they may be a vegetarian. And after one meal, you've decided you're going to pledge your life to being a vegetarian. Because these people have the gift of evangelism. No matter what they talk about, they are trying to convince other people about their beliefs. And so often we think that evangelism is for those who only have the gift of evangelism. But I tell you today, everybody has the responsibility to evangelize. Now there are some people who have the gift of giving. They might just extravagantly give to anything. And they just want to give and give and give because they have the gift of giving. But the Bible tells us that all of us are expected to give. It's just the people with the gift of giving give way more. There are people who have the gift of service. And these are the people who will serve and serve and serve and serve and do all they can to serve. Yet, they're not the only ones who are supposed to serve. Every one of us is supposed to serve. The difference with the people with the gift of giving and the gift of service and the gift of evangelism is they do what we're supposed to do, but they do it like they just drank five Red Bulls and they're on steroids. They just do it like way more than whatever we could ever do. But every one of us, we're expected to give, we're expected to serve, and we're also expected to evangelize. And the reason I can say this is because the Bible tells us in very clear ways of what we are supposed to do. If we have been found, it is our responsibility to find people. And in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, it tells us that we are to go into all the world, every one of us, not just a select few, but every one of us to go into all the world and to tell others about the good news of Jesus Christ. Also in Luke chapter 24 and verse 48, it tells us that we are Christ's witnesses to tell others about God. Also tells us in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it says that we are to go into the, uh, into the uttermost parts of the world, into, Samer- into Ju- Judea, to Jerusalem, into Samaria, into every other part of the world, and we are to go and be Jesus Christ's witnesses. And if anybody knows about a witness in a court of law, a witness is someone who testifies or tells of their experience to other people. And God is just asking you to go and become a witness. And what it means by becoming a witness is telling other people 
how you were once lost, but now you are found. And how you were once in a state separated from God, but now you're connected to God. That's it. That's evangelism. In its simplest form, you are just expected to tell other people about how God found you and how you found God. That's it. You don't have to know the whole Bible back and forth. You don't need to know all these different debates. All you need to do, or goal God is asking you to do, is to tell others about how you became someone who was once lost, but now you become found. Because found people find people. And God has given you unique opportunities in order to do that. He's given you unique relationships. He's given you unique opportunities. He's given you divine appointments. He's given you special friendships so that you can tell others about how you were once lost, but now you are found. God believes that you have what it takes because He has chosen you as His church. And it's through His church that He has desired that others be the witnesses of Jesus Christ. And God believes in you. And he believes that the people that he has brought to you, you have what it takes to tell. Not just for the people with the gift of evangelism, but everyone. Second line, that we may believe. If I tell others about Christ, they will think I'm being judgmental or just trying to convert them. I'm being judgmental or just trying to convert them. Well, firstly, let me address the judgmental part. You're not being judgmental. I believe if you don't tell other people about God, then you are being judgmental. The reason is, is because you, firstly, you, you first think you are judging that they do not need God, or you are judging that they are so far away from God they can never be back, brought back to God. Basically, when you tell other people about God, you're not being judgmental. You're just telling them that you were once lost, and you have now been found. And if they're lost, then you have what it takes to make sure that they become found. You also think that, you may think, well, they're just trying to think, I'm just trying to convert them. Well, I'm going to burst your bubble. You are trying to convert them. And the reason is, is because you have the words of life. You were once in exactly the same position as what they were in. You were lost, you were separated from God, and now you have the incredible opportunity to be in a relationship with God. And what you are doing when you are telling them about God, you are doing it in the hope that they also will come back into relationship with God and that they will not be lost, they will not be separated, but they will have the incredible opportunity that you have, and that is to have a relationship with God have a relationship with Jesus Christ. These people, we've always seen in Romans that they're on a death penalty, but you have the words to give them life. And it's a free gift that you can give to them. Just think the only difference between you and the people that you tell about God is this, is that you have been found, they have yet to be found. You're an exactly the same person. You're a sinner just like them, you're not perfect just like them. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11, it says this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11. It says, because we understand our fearful responsibility to God, we work hard 
to persuade others about God. We work hard to persuade others about God. And I don't know about you, but I've sometimes told people about God, and it's like, I'm like, I love Jesus, you should love Jesus too. Okay, what's for dinner, you know? Or, uh, the Bible says you're a sinner, uh, and you need God. Okay, uh, how's the game going on, you know? I mean, it's just like real quick, and you try to mutter it so they like hear a little bit, so you don't feel guilty that you're not telling people about God, but then you like move on. But the Bible tells us, he says, Paul says, I work hard to persuade others about God. I don't know about you, but that's tough. I'm like, okay, I feel uncomfortable sometimes telling other people about God. But yet, the Apostle Paul is telling us, you need to persuade others about God. The reason is, is because you have the gift of life, not just because we want everyone to become a Christian and nothing else. No, it's just because people are separated from God and we have what it takes to bring them back to God. In 1 Timothy, verse uh, 1, uh, 12 through 18, the Apostle Paul starts telling uh, Timothy, he starts saying to him how he was the chief of sinners. He was the worst of sinners. And he was just like everybody else. He says, but the only difference is, is that God poured his grace on me and he did that so that then I can go and tell others about the wonderful gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And then in Galatians Chapter 1 and verse 10, it tells us. It says that, Paul says that I have been commissioned to tell others about God. And it's not about pleasing people. He says, because when it becomes about pleasing people, I no longer become a servant of Jesus Christ. It's about telling others about God. Because you have the words of life. And they need those words of life. The church can't be afraid to tell the message of God. You know, a church that cares is a church that speaks out. A church that cares is a church that speaks out. And you have loved ones, you have friends who you care about. And if you really care about them, you need to share your experience with God. You need to experience how you, you need to tell them how you experience being once lost and now being found. And then the last thing today, and then we'll finish and we'll close. The third lie is, and this is the hardest one for me because I believed this for years, but others can see Christ through my lifestyle. I don't need to tell them about God. Others can see Christ through my lifestyle. I don't need to tell them about God. I make a very... Sweeping statement. I do not believe anybody has come to God because of your godly lifestyle. Nobody has come to faith in God because of your godly lifestyle. Now I believe that people have been brought closer to God because of your godly lifestyle. Because they see that you are a light. They see that you're different. They see that you handle different situations. But they have never come for that place from being lost to found by just observing your lifestyle. And the reason for this is because the Bible teaches that it is only through the spoken word that people come to faith in God. It's your lifestyle that gives you the opportunities. 
But then, in order for them to actually come to faith in God, they need to hear the words of God. And this is why I can say this. In Romans chapter 10, Romans 10 and verse 14, it says, But how can they call on Him, that's God, to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the Scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news of God. How will anybody hear about God unless somebody tells them about God? And then in verse 17 of Romans 10, it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the good news of God. Faith comes by hearing, not watching, not observing. But faith comes by hearing and hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the only way people will hear and understand and come to faith is by actually hearing. Hearing. And found people find people. And if you're a found person, basically... If you have a relationship with God, with Jesus Christ, then you have the responsibility to find people. And this is how you find, find people. You ask them to step out of that dark place they're in and come and step into the light. To step out of the dark place they're in to step into the light. And you may think, well, that's all very well, but really, how do I tell someone about God? I'm not, you know, I... I don't even like to talk to Christians about God, let alone talk to people who don't know God. You know, Jesus gave us a great example. We haven't got time to go into it today, but, you know, if, if, if you want to go home and read it, it's found in, uh, in John chapter 4 and verses 1 to 41. And basically, Jesus, one day, it was midday, about 12 noon, he came to the, the city well. Nobody else was around. He was thirsty. He went to get water. And there was a woman there. There was a Samaritan woman there. And in the culture of the day, the men did not speak to the women unless they wanted something out of the women. And Jesus came up to this woman and he started speaking to her. And in the space of about 30 minutes to an hour, he has a conversation with her. And she went from being lost, separated from God, to being found. Connected with God, in a relationship with God. And the reason she did that is because Jesus did some very simple principles. Firstly, Jesus stood out from the rest. He did not care what other people thought about him having a conversation with this woman. He stood out. He did something different that other people were scared to do. Jesus didn't judge the woman. We find out that this woman has just had a crazy life. She's got like multiple men in her life. She's had many husbands. She's living with a guy who's not her husband. And all the society were looking at her and judging her. And Jesus did not judge her. 
because he recognized that she was just someone who was yet to be found. Jesus spoke to her on her level. He talked to her about the one thing they had in common, and that was water. They were at a well to get water. He started talking to her about water. Then Jesus brought value into her life. He gave a valuable insight into her life. He didn't just have a conversation and walked away. He actually gave value to her. And unless we are giving value to people, then our message will just fall on deaf ears. And then the final thing is that Jesus didn't waste any time. He didn't let the conversation just carry on about water. He didn't let the conversation carry on about her multiple husbands and and, and all the things that were going on in her life. Jesus very quickly closed the deal and he says, Lady, unless you have me, unless you believe in me and experience what I have, then you will thirst for the rest of your life. But if you experience me, then you will never thirst again. And in that moment, that woman went from being a lost case to being someone who was full of life. And then the, thing, the first thing she did, she went and told everybody about Jesus Christ. That is evangelism. And that is what God is dreaming for a church. He wants a church that is passionate about him. He wants a church that is passionate about each other. He wants a church that is passionate about reaching out. But most of all, amongst every, anything, he is wanting a church and desiring a church that is passionate about telling others and speaking out about Jesus Christ. Just before we close today, I want you to show just this quick video of something that happened this week. With four oxygen tanks inside the tiny rescue capsule, the miners were breathing normally, while the rest of the world held its breath. From Chile to Europe to the United States, the world was one watching a rescue that had once seemed so distant, so unlikely. Newscasts in a multitude of languages told the same story of human victory. Around the world, the TV was on, people gathered, cheering every new pop to the surface. A Polish viewer declared, we are all Chileans now. It's an event shared around the world in a way that rarely happens anymore. Not reality TV, but real TV. This past week, 30 to 40 Chilean miners who were trapped on the ground. They were separated from this world. They were lost. Suddenly became found. Two months ago, an explosion happened that they could not get out. The rest of the world, I think, had forgotten about that. I remember hearing it on the news, I'd forgotten about it. But there were a group of people who loved these miners so much that they want, they want to do everything they could to get these miners out. And this week a world watched as these miners went from darkness back into light. From living out a death penalty to experiencing life. And the world watched and the world celebrated and the world rejoiced. And every time Every time that you find someone, the whole of heaven rejoices and celebrates like the whole of Chile celebrated this week. Because they recognize that people are lost. 
and you have what it is to give them life. You were once lost. You remember these Chileans? They didn't just come out and sit down. They cheered on as each of their friends were saved. And in the same way, not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense, in the sense of your soul, you have friends and family. And you cross paths with people every day who are just like those Chilean miners. They are living out a death sentence. And you have what it takes to bring them to life. Jesus is dreaming of a church that is passionate about speaking out. Will you be that church? Let's pray. God, this morning we, we thank you, God, that we who were once lost. Basically, we were separated from you. We had no thought of you, no desire of you. We thought we could do this life without you, but we realize that you found us. God, and some of us, we were in a bad place when you found us. Others, we were in a place of ignorance or arrogance or pride, and you found us. God, we didn't even deserve to be found, but yet you showed your love on us, and you found us. And God, we pray today that you will help us here, every one of us, individually and also corporately as Generation Church. You will help us to be found people who will find people. God, we ask today that you will give us those opportunities to have those conversations to basically tell other people how we became found. That you will give us those opportunities and those divine appointments to tell other people how they can become people who were lost but now found. God, we ask you today that you will help us to be a church that will not be scared about speaking out, but we will be a church that will reach out with the very hands and feet of Jesus, that we will give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, that we will be compassionate, but we will also tell others about the incredible message of Jesus Christ, that we realize that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And God, today, we ask that we will be those people who will speak out for you so that others can hear. We ask in your name. Amen. Amen. This morning, I probably went over a little longer than I should have. I apologize for that. And the message that I gave, it's hard. And I'll be honest, I, that's a message for me, just as it is for every one of us. I find it hard to tell others about God. But yet, God isn't asking us to do easy things. He's asking us to do the hard thing so that others can experience the life that you have experienced in God. So this week, as you go out, don't go out thinking, oh, I'm just the worst person. I never tell others about God. No, go out thinking, God is going to give me opportunities this week. And ask God, help me to tell others about God. You won't be judgmental. Others won't look down on you. When they see how sincere you are about bringing them from a place of darkness into a place of light, you can do it. I don't just believe in you. I believe in you. But God believes in you. He believes that you can do it. Next week, we're starting this brand new series. I encourage